Welcome back to the Key in the Lake podcast, the premier whiskey podcast, now with the mention of whiskey in its title. Hey, this is Jake coming live from Lakeview East, Chicago, Illinois. And today, I have a very special guest with me. No co-host, but that's okay because I can do it myself. I'm a rambling solo man. <laughs> I'm not sure your co-host exists. Um, they might not. I'm not sure if we actually have a co-host of Key in the Lake anymore, but that's okay. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a open door policy when it comes to being a co-host of the Key in the Lake podcast. Well, thank you for continuing to hold it down as yeah. you do. Yeah, I try. I took a break, but here we are. Um, Mr. Eric Rosentreader, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's yeah, good to be back. It's great to have you back. You're back here with uh, under a new emblem, repping a new brand. Yes, sir. Talking about some real good whiskey. Yep. And it has an animal in its title. Yep. It's Old Elk. Yeah, it is. Hey, yep. you got it right. You win. <laughs> you win. You win $1,000. Sweet. Not really. Or you can win all of uh, Terry Bradshaw's money that he gives away every Sunday, supposedly, or something. I don't know. I just see him holding a case of money during football games. I really don't watch football, so I'll take yeah. your word for it. You know, <laughs> you watch the better football. How about soccer? You watch the better football of the world. Before we get into whiskey, uh, this will be coming out. So we are recording on December 11th, I want to say this is right now. 12th. Okay, 12th it is. Uh, it is a Monday. I know that much. But last night, our dear, might not be the manager of the United States by the time you hear this podcast, but last night the United States manager, Triple G Greg Burhalter, released a statement disclosing the uh, lack of attention and awareness and aggressiveness and commitment to the U.S. team, speaking of an anonymous player, but then it came out that it was Gio Reyna, who was almost sent home during the World Cup. But uh, Triple G put it out there, and now Gio Reyna has been forced to make a statement about it, which I thought he handled very well. But looks look on your face is that I'm surprising you with this news. Uh, you are. Oh, um, darn it. I <laughs> I mean, it's, it's soccer slash football is the one sport I actually care about. Um, I um, walked into an account for lunch and to meet the buyer during the uh, U.S. Wales game, oh. and to me, and I don't mean to sound elitist or pretentious, but <laughs> there's nothing worse than walking into a room full of people rooting for something they don't understand. Mm. Uh, so how many times I hear, boot it or shoot it or something like that. It, yeah. it, it like Get in the hole! Exactly. <laughs> it, it was just like, oh, it was not quite nails on a chalkboard, but there is there are certain social cues that I think are taken in other arenas of watching the sport that we just don't get. And for somebody who's not incredibly nationalistic inherently anyway, uh, it's kind of a double weird, but I, they played great. Uh, It was finally good to see them stressing technical skill rather than athletic ability, which I think was the U S men's team downfall for a long time. I think there's a blend in there of both that will make for a good hybrid of an offense, but, uh, Technical skill isn't always necessary during World Cup play when it's more of an open field kind of concept because players don't play with each other or practice with each other that much. Well, sure. I mean, look at look at what the Dutch did. Uh, they were playing freaking Dutch, ra- you know, batting down the hatches defense uh, to long straight ball uh, offense, and it didn't work. And then you look at what Morocco pulled off against Portugal, where it totally did work. So it's, I mean, that's the beauty of the sport. It's, it all comes down to heart and commitment. 
Absolutely. Well, I won't ask you for your take on the Geogate suspense that's uh, haunting us all in the U.S. soccer Twitterverse, if you will. Um, I don't pay attention. To I just Twitter. got. I've only I was got about, on Twitter for like a day and a half, like yeah. ten years ago, and I'm I like, know. yeah, I'm done. I was done with it, and then like somehow the last like six months leading up to the World Cup, it's pulled me back in for the first time in years. Okay, uh, yeah. Facebook was kind of like that for me too. I, I actually did a. Uh, I couldn't sleep last night, so I actually did a kind of doom scroll and actually did a count of ads versus actual posts wow. in Facebook, and it was about a two to one ad versus actual friend post. So I'm got, almost done with Facebook. Got a lot too. going on there, you know, in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's. I I always get that like that on Sunday night. I can never sleep on Sunday. Huh. I won't even say why. I won't even say why. No, it's not the anxiety of a work week starting. I promise. No, nothing will do with that whatsoever. You shouldn't have an anxiety. The year is winding down. That's true, but, but it's it's the sprint over the finish line time. Yeah, I can concur with you though about the habits of watching soccer in America, and then break it down even more granular into watching soccer in the city versus watching soccer in the suburbs. Oh, sure. Yeah, because like every bar that's pretty much open with a TV in Chicago, I feel like has been committed to watching the World Cup on a daily basis for sure. the most part. Um, a lot of bars doing watch parties and cocktail deals and things like that. But uh, I went to the suburbs for our whiskey festival we were at, mm-hmm. at Malloy's Finest in Lyle, Illinois, this past Saturday. Shout out to Steve Malloy. No, he doesn't need any more shout outs. But there you go, Steve. When you're that good at what you do, yes, you do. Okay. Well, kissing up right there. It looks like Eric wants to sell some more whiskey. <laughs> I already Me, sold per- enough there I'm, on Saturday. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, no. I'm personally fine with my commitment to Moyes right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I stopped at a sports bar down the street to watch the first half of the U.S.-England game before the event, which really chaps my ass because I'm, I'm a very big uh, U.S. fan, also England fan, too. Sure. Um, just because I watch the Premier League and know all the players. My dog is currently attacking Eric <laughs> right now. Your dog's got the mic. <laughs> okay, uh, Lola, off. But I stopped at this bar, and there's you know probably 25 TVs in the sports bar. There right. was one that was playing the game. <laughs> oh, I had that happen too. It was like behind. If you were sitting at the bar, it was behind you. Right. And I'm like, oh, can you turn the game on? The guy's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. You're like the only one who wants to watch it. But I'll turn on the middle TV. No, nothing else is happening other than like D2 football playoffs. So turn it on. <laughs> and people, like, people are like, what? What is this? What is this? Like. Like, oh, I, this game's on today? And whereas, like, every bar in Chicago is probably packed at, the game started at 1, it was probably packed at 11, 10 in the morning. I've run into it a lot. Uh, and I, I've, I have run into it a couple times here, too, that um, there's, a, there's a spot by us uh, that has become a, a really, really, like, the owners are have become friends of ours. And we went in uh, for the second half of one of the games and had a quick, you know, wanted to have a quick snack and wrap up our day. And I mean, it's a far southwest suburbs. And I asked if they could put the game on. And some of the some of the people sitting at the bar were just like, "Oh, soccer! This is so boring." <laughs> and I don't get that. I, I thoroughly enjoy watching I, uh, most soccer games, yeah. um, regardless of the outcome and the effort. And one of these people is wearing a, a major NFL team jacket. Mm. Like to me, like American football is so much more boring. I can't the start and stop, yeah. constant commercials, constant just, commercials. Ugh. I think it's ruining football. I mean, I'm, I played football my entire life, played in college, 
and now I can barely watch it on Sunday. Like I just don't get it. I used to I, even for every college game, big games, I could watch. I could sit, sit at eleven a.m. watch games all day long. Sure. Wait for my team to come on or watch my team, and continue to watch other games. Now it's like. God, it has to be a really, really important big game because some of the college games go four and a half, five hours because there's so many, so much stoppage of play. And then they started doing them on like Saturday nights and yeah. stuff like that. And it's just like, really? Do you yeah. guys like, are you guys really grasping that hard? A lot, mean, of, a lot of money out there for it. No, I, I think when you get, just get back to soccer or football for the rest of the world is if you have two really good teams playing or any team playing, basically any team in the Premier League playing each other, like it's entertaining sport i don't know how you could say it's for sure i don't know i could say how you you think it's boring obviously you might not know the rules of everything for some reason extra time is such a grapple for people to grasp (laughs) well in in every uh football or soccer league um definitely in england france spain Mm -hmm. italy germany um all those the major players or major leagues it's you have the top tables or top of the table is playing the top teams are playing for something and the bottom teams if if you're in the bottom two or three teams in most leagues. You're getting sent down a league. Yeah. And with that, you lose a ton of revenue from TV. It can be $100 million for certain clubs. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. And to to watch those teams, that there's usually a couple matches at the end of the season where they'll broadcast those results live. Oh, yeah. And those teams that escape the relegation zone of getting sent down celebrate just as hard as the people that won the league. It's Dude, my club was see. literally... Charged this field yep. as we stayed off, stayed off relegation with two more games to play last yep. year, and it was a horrible, horrible, just low point of a season <laughs> after low point after low point after low point. There were no high points until the thirty seventh game of the year when we staved off relegation and yep. forty thousand people were on the pitch and literally lost their minds. Yeah, like yeah. they had just won Player, everything. It players was cool are, to yeah. see that. Though. Yeah, whereas yeah. whereas in the NFL. I was sitting um, there on the fucking Dan Ryan crying, listening to the game on the radio. <laughs> the, the Dan crying. Yeah, the Dan crying. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, it's it's towards the end of the Bears season, and yeah. they haven't had anything to play for in weeks. Nope. And it's just like, well, where's the urgency? Uh, baseball is the same way. Ugh. You can make the same argument. Um, oh, yeah. Hockey, kind of. More teams make the playoffs, so. Right. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. Like, at a certain point, they're just Hockey's playing. entertaining, though, too, always. Uh, it can be in person. I, sure. Watching on TV is a little harder, but to follow the puck, uh, I enjoy hockey. Yeah. Uh, it's very similar to soccer for me. Here on Sports Talk with Key in the Lick. <laughs> okay, sorry, whiskey. No, no, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, but um, before we get into the single barrel talk, how, how has it been switching over to Old Elk over just over a month now in this new position? Uh, made the transition. Um, got approached uh, to. Um, by Ross Graham, who was on yeah, uh, the episode ep- you did in Milwaukee. One of uh, for- three or four we did in Milwaukee. Like, yeah. uh, back in the, like, 195-ish, anyone wants to go back and listen to uh, Ross give a whole in-depth detail about Old Elk. Yeah, yeah it, it's, uh, it kind of just stemmed from that whole conversation. Um, that night? That it just, yeah. Really? Um, well, not that night, um, but it, it led to us kind of reconnecting. And I've known Ross for almost 20 years at this point. And it's become like going from small team, uh, small brand to small brand again mm-hmm. in that like being under 40 people that work for us nationwide and being able to have a seat at the table um, of broader conversations. Uh, I love doing the advocacy work mm-hmm. of whiskey, uh, which is what both of us uh, exceed at and excel at. Allegedly. Um, that according to Twitter. So you can believe it. You heard it here first. Yes. Um, but 
coupling the advocacy into distribution management, market management, and stuff like that is something that I think my it's something I've been curious about and just really didn't have an opportunity to learn much about. Mm. Those conversations were being had and planned at a higher level. Um, not that I'm at that level. It's just a different company now. So, Was your previous job with Woodenville more on the advocacy side then? Uh, it was a little of both. It, yeah. was, it was very dynamic uh, in the point where we were working for a small team, okay. but that team was part of the Moet Hennessy catalog. So it was um, a little of both to be honest, and to be part of uh, just, it's a different whiskey. It's a different animal. Um, and it's something that I got excited about. And as far as single barrel stuff goes, like it couldn't be more different. And we went, I went from having 12 barrels available for me to sell in Illinois to Mm -hmm. basically as many as I want within reason and just different brand strategies. Not that one's better or worse. It's just a completely different brand strategy. It's a little, it's a lot uh, faster. And on top of which, I have Whiskey Smith flavored whiskeys at my back, Nuku uh, bourbon cream, and Dry Town Gin. So it's 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 a bit of a bigger animal to manage, and a lot more a lot more whiskeys too. What's your uh, area you're covering right now? Then I do uh, Indiana, Illinois, Missouri, and Wisconsin. Nice. Yeah. So all driving states. Yes, thankfully. <laughs> yeah, no, it can be a bit with the with the air travel these days and all the everything that comes along with that. Just uh, takes a lot more time of your day. Yeah, my first week with Old Elk, uh, Ross and I were in Fort Collins, and we were coming home Friday, and got to the airport at a little after one for like a two thirty flight, and we didn't get I didn't get home until almost 5 a.m. Wow. Because it snowed and it's just like the shuffling of everything. It's not exclusive to airline travel. It's exclusive to supply chain in general, whether it's a human supply or whiskey supply. And um, yeah, (laughs) we got off the plane. I'm like, Ross, I've seen you entirely too much today. Uh, I'm going to go home. Right, right. (laughs) Colorado is one of the worst states to fly out of too because you never know what's going to happen. It could be just a isolated tornado just kind of hovering around the airport in Denver. That's right. Been there before too. We we were coming down from Fort Collins into Denver to shoot out over to the airport and we saw the snow coming down the Rockies (laughs) and it was just like, okay, I think we're going to beat this and had the... Uh, the first flight boarded on time, which yeah. it, it didn't because of mechanical failure. Like, mm. it would have been totally fine. And it got delayed, and then we started switching gates. I'm like, oh, no. That is one of the best feelings, though, when you are in weather and you're just taking off and it's starting to, like, hail or snow and rain heavily and your flight's already just going down that runway. You're next in line. <laughs> and there's, like, there's no turning back at this point. Like, we beat it. It's like that scene in Independence Day where they yeah. outfly the fire cloud. It's like, yeah, it's, we I made mean, it. <laughs> it's pretty much like Argo when they escaped uh, Iran, you know. <laughs> yes. It's pretty much like that, just traveling in general. <laughs> but it's a lot more passive-aggressive. It was Iran, wasn't it? Yeah. I think Iran, yeah. Yeah, the Iran Contra. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me. Iran. Iran. Thank you, Tyler Adams, for t- taking that for all of us in America. Um, no, but I think it's uh, the old elk transition was really interesting because for, when we we've been talking about single barrels for the last two years, I'd say mm-hmm. just our group of whiskey people, um, friends who are either adjacent to the industry, buying those barrels or 
excuse me, representatives like ourselves of distilleries because it's become so hot, not just for the big distilleries, but also for smaller distilleries like we also work for. And what Ross was really, it was interesting what he hit on last time, and it was kind of a time-sensitive podcast, but also in a very loud area, so we didn't have much yeah. time to talk. But he was saying how, how much increase in single barrels went up for Old Elk during COVID, which I thought was really fascinating. Quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's t- I don't want to say it's slowing down, but it's definitely plateauing for us. Okay. Um, but I think everybody saw that spike because, I mean, most places were closed down for a significant amount of time. We saw the rise of whiskey groups, Mm -hmm. people pooling their money and pooling their resources, whether through a private group or in conjunction with a retailer, and everything went through the roof. I mean, stats for 2020 and most of 2021 in everything, uh, including sporting events, are are, they're Barry Bond stats, they're asterisk. Mm. You know, they're like, yeah, they're not for nothing, but... To go back to 2019, too, especially with how whiskey has been growing, isn't an accurate representation either. It's it's a new world. We're at right. year zero, like kind even, of year zero Even the beginning of 2020, before COVID, I just remember all of us talking about how, how busy we already were in that first three months of the year, how well everything was already going for yeah. for brands, big and small. Obviously, the bigger ones are taking off. I think it's a good, ana- good analogy right there to compare it to the steroid era. It's like, it, it was real. It happened. Yeah. But it was also inflated at the same time. Yeah, that's that's I think what we're realizing too is we're not you, you like smaller brands like the ones that we work for, uh, being Star Wars and Old Elk, is are we competing against other popular whiskeys? Or are we competing against mm. their marketing strategies <laughs> and things like that too? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. you know you'll see people with these very sought after single barrels and be like, cool, like so they don't even know who their rep is. Mm. Versus smaller brands, wherever they are, um, us ours definitely included. It's like, yeah, we sell these ourselves. It's a great point. We don't really put the kit or send a bunch of kits to our distributors necessarily. Yeah, and just be like, cool. Uh, here's one. Pick one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, no, it takes a little finessing. It takes a little romancing. You yeah. know. I think I've done like one of those in the last two years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, each market is different. I mean, if you're we, no, we I mean, it's like sending sold... the kid out to a distributor and them actually taking it and not selling it with me with them or even over Zoom. Sure. Uh, with with my out-of-state markets being, you know, Indiana, Missouri, and Wisconsin, um, be sure to list those in alphabetical order to not show favoritism. But mm. um, I'll, I will send barrel samples to our distributing partners and be like, hey, if these accounts, if you have accounts lined up, let me know. I will make time to make myself available for these to right. be present for them. Absolutely. As opposed to we're, we're seeing it in single barrel sales, like we're seeing it with retail. It's it's all my it, it's become myopic in and of itself and mm. that there's a difference between sales and letting people buy things. You know, mm. and, and it's a com- it's a conversation I know we've touched on in a bunch. But no, I think like- it's a great point. Uh, I can bring an analogy up or um, a story, an anecdote about this past Saturday at that whiskey festival at Malloy's. Mm-hmm. So many people came up to me and said, "Oh, I had the Malloy's single barrel, Star Wars single barrel." Sure. And I was like, "Cool. Have you had anything else?" Like, no. I'm like, then I'm not doing my job right, or something's not translating there. <laughs> also, with that in particular barrel, because if people don't know, like we are a single malt distillery. It right. happens to have one whiskey that is a blend of wheat and malted barley. Right. And so we have a dozen wheat single barrels in the entire world. And one of them was at Malloy's. 
There was also Barrel Age and a PX cast for seven years, which is very odd for us. Ridiculous. Yeah. So, like, not only are those people only tasting a single barrel of Star Wars, they're tasting the most oddball single barrel they could possibly have right. in the entire world of Star Wars and saying, I love that, but I've never had your core whiskey. And the whole point of our single barrel program, um, which I want to ask you about Old Elks as well, sure. is to bring the customer customer who buys a single barrel pick is to bring them back to that core representation of the brand, which is our three whiskeys that are available every single day. That, that's the idea behind it. There's hopefully that um, built-in halo interest of buying something. Um, and, it, you know, it's kind of like, oh, I'm a... I'm a fan of Cristiano Ronaldo because of the bicycle kick he scored in that one game. It's like, mm. okay, so you're not really a soccer fan then. You just kind of like that moment. moment. And you were brought into that moment. And not to say it wasn't important to you, informative, but as opposed to like being there for every game and supporting whatever you're supporting. And this isn't just of brands necessarily, but it's of the exploration of the category. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think single barrels have become more and more important because I, I I personally, my wife and I personally do not chase down allocated barrels or allocated brands because for one, we just don't have time to play that game. Mm-hmm. And two, there's no story behind it. Um, mm-hmm. When you go to, you know, see Gene at Warehouse or go to see Steve Malloy or go to see the guys at GNS or, or wherever it is or go, go see the Gold Eagle fellas, go see Jake up there. Mm-hmm. I wish I wish Zach would return my barrel, email about be- the Aaron cask. Oh. <laughs> um, Gene Gene is kind of lightning in a bottle, even in even in the email. You got to tie him no, down, Zach. And hold him to Zach. We're calling oh, Zach. We're calling out Zach in this one. Okay. Zach anyway, two. sorry. Zach two. Continue. Yeah. Um, but I buy those because it reminds me of those people and those things and those. Usually, it's because they put it in my hand or they try it. Do they try me out on it? You look right. at like what Gold Eagle does and having that little tasting area. Yeah. It's brilliant. And now they're like, doing I'm not sure about this $80 single barrel. Yeah. Oh, well, go try some over here. We have a bottle open. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, same with Parson Restaurants. Uh, I was talking with Garrett today over at Maze and Mash about that. Never that, heard like, of you're not sure about this bottle. Mm-hmm. Well, here, try some. You're in our bar and we can, a lot of bars have started to do that. So let's get the licensing to sell right out of their establishment, which Smart. is great. Yeah, no, I agree with all of that. Um, it's also because you've built that trust with a the the customer or the retailer has or bar has built that trust with you because you've gone back sure. to there. So you kind of know you have an idea what like let's say was the and the guys from GNS in the soccer room and George, um, you kind of have an idea what they're looking for for single barrels. Like you you trust whatever they bring back. <laughs> Generally, yes. Yeah, you trust whatever they bring back is gonna be good stuff. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So like when you go buy, you commit to a, a sixty-five, seventy-dollar bottle. I say that price point because they actually sell their barrels for very reasonable prices. Um, yep. You can you know you're going to bring something good home for you and your wife or for whoever who's buying that that barrel that bottle because you've already had that built-in trust um, between the customer and the retailer relationship, if you will. Sure. It, yeah, and I think it just adds to. Isn't enough? It adds to. There's no really it's like story. Just adds to the relationship. And it's, it's not a moment you're chasing. We're 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 seeing the 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 creation of as American whiskey consumers right. or consumers of whiskey in America, uh, especially in the social media era, we're seeing the bifurcation of lifestyle versus luxury. Commodification. And that, like, do, you, do you want this or do you want to be seen having it? Yeah. Like I like nice things. You like nice things. No. I don't need to be seen enjoying these nice things. I like to do that within the comfort of my own area, my right. own with people that I care for. And like, I don't need to be out and about <laughs> 
showing off and 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 doing that thing to be seen enjoying these things. Mm. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that that's a bifurcation that we're kind of seeing. Mm-hmm. You see somebody ordering super rare whiskey A, super rare whiskey B in a bar. They're mm-hmm. going to smile after they say the name of that brand because yeah. they know they're about to be seen doing this. Mm. And that might be the only way they can enjoy it because finding those rare bottles is hard. Or you can find those store picks or f- happen to stumble across those allocated bottles because you support your business uh, businesses and they, they let you buy one. Yeah. And the differentiation between selling and letting people buy things is different too. Do you think that big brands are hoping that their customers who buy their allocated stuff, their more expensive whiskeys, are hoping that they become ambassadors of the brand in such a way that we hope that customers become mini ambassadors for our brand because we can't be out there every day? Um, sure, I guess. I don't know. I, I only asked because <laughs> I saw something very interesting yesterday um, at a Benny's where this guy, it was 11 o'clock in the morning, the store had just opened. I was running some errands, figured I'd stop by, see, I don't really know what I was doing. Was Ross there? No, Sunday. I just uh, was wandering through and I'm like, I'll stop in Benny's and see if there's anything I want to pick up when I don't need anything whatsoever. Sure. But, you know, it's a good excuse to go check on the Star Wars section to make sure everything's okay. I mean, this Benny's over here is a pretty good local spot to have. Yeah, it is. It is. No, um, you never know when those single malts are just going to be on sale. There's like a you never know. Like $60 off a single, like a 12 year old single Oh, you malt. find some great, even on their like, uh, what, end of bin sales that yeah. they oh, do. Yeah. Like, you find some great deals on Absolutely. there. Absolutely. So, um, this guy yesterday was holding a bottle of Booker's, a third batch release of this year okay not the newest one mm-hmm. but i don't know where he got it like someone from the back room either gave it to him or it was in the private collection room but i love bookers and i was like oh wow i'm surprised this guy's carrying around a bookers and i was like they have it on the shelf and look of course not don't, don't see it and <laughs> so i'm talking to one of the guys that i know that works there and i'm like and this other guy who was holding the bookers is talking to customers in the bourbon section in the big brand section to like sure. people about like what to buy now, I, we couldn't fully hear his what he was saying, but saying like, oh, this one's a good one too. And we couldn't see exactly what he was pointing at. Right. But he is pointing at probably, he's either pointing at like another Beam product or Brown Foreman product, something along those lines. And I'm, I'm thinking, you don't see this very much at, at, at stores where people are pointing out other bottles of big brands. Not, you know, but you also sure. don't see it for small brands too. That's kind of what our job is. But you hope with, uh, people buying a single barrel of Old Elk or whatever it may be of a smaller brand, they would go back and be like, oh, you should you should try their core bourbon. You should try their weeded bourbons. I mean, like that, that that might be part of uh, a bigger house's um, engineering behind allocating whiskeys and behind having yeah. limited release stuff is is kind of that um, that built in hype. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I obviously won't speak for anybody other than myself, but it, for me, it's kind of like doing those big whiskey events where there's a thousand people there yeah. and you're really hoping they buy your stuff someday. <laughs> for me, it's, it's provable ROI yeah. on, on top of what is normally a not unsubstantial financial commitment to have a table at these events yep. where you look at, um, I've done it at Antioch. I've done it at Malloy's. Obviously I've done events at gold Eagle. Like we all have these, these big guys out in the suburbs mm-hmm. that are just like, yeah, let's do an event. But they can also buy your whiskey right there. Uh, Benny's World of Whiskey, for sure, yeah. is a huge uh, return on investment. Yeah. Because you can just go ask them. Be like, cool. How, so how do we do today? Mm-hmm. I mean, don't go in the day of. Right. But talk to, your, talk to that Benny's person. Right. Um, and just be like, so how do we do? Do mm-hmm. we move product for you? Because yep. my bottle's O-Rent. 
yeah. on the shelf. Absolutely. It's like occupy art, that space. It's like an art gallery, artist's renting space. Yeah, for sure. For sure it is. No, it's, um, what was I going to say? Because there was something about that. I don't know. But I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I don't know. We're covering so, so many hot topics right here. <laughs> Let's but, bring it back to soccer. Back, back to the back to the World Cup, but what have you? What, how have you seen the appreciation of Old Elk from the audience? Oh, I don't know. What I was gonna say just to get it out of my head. Um, when you talk about like, are we com- are we competing with each other's whiskeys? Are we competing with each other with marketing departments and having that face to face look with the li- look with the lips interaction? I think there's a study showing that a person has to be represent- uh, presented with the brand like nine different times before they actually commit to buying anything from the brand. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah. It's a new, I mean, it's a newer study. I, I don't doubt that at all. Right. So I think um, like if you're getting like fed an Instagram ad, a Facebook ad, you see it on, for whiskeys, for example, you see it on a shelf, you see it on a back bar. I mean, you, that's that's a little different. I mean, for me, seeing an Instagram or Facebook ad is, is like seeing a bus stop advertisement. Yeah. A lot of it fits there's, for me. There's no way to keep track of just because you scroll by it on your feed. It's like driving past it on the Stevenson. Yeah. Like, they, okay, yeah, you saw it. That right. doesn't necessarily register. Didn't at really all. interact with it. Yeah, if you click on it, blah blah blah. We, let's not go down that rabbit hole because social media is terrible. But um, it's one of those things that, like, making those connections and you know this this past event that we that we were both at this this last Saturday of you know if if I if I stand out to one in ten people, yeah, I'm having a good day. Yeah, and for me competition is not outward uh, outward facing personally it's inward facing yeah and like how can i get better how can you know if somebody asks me a question that i don't know i'm gonna find that out mm-hmm. and i'm gonna get back to them yeah no. and just and really just try and learn as much as i can you know as opposed to standing behind a table and looking beautiful like we do <laughs> very much so especially when you're standing next to makers mark and they have all this cool swag and just makers mark in general so. all right well this isn't a shout across about towards makers mark whatsoever okay but i, I i've seen this at se- a lot of the last uh you know whiskey shows and, and events that we've been to it's some of these just they look like garage sales yeah. Uh, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. It's just like really like we don't have a lot of swag. Right. Um, I, I to me, swag is more stuff to keep track of, um, which <laughs> is to me that's invasive into my personal space. I'm sure it is for you as well. Like working for a brand, <laughs> as, as you as you wave across the studio, <laughs> but it's it's all whiskey though. You know, like you don't have boxes of T-shirts lying all over the place. Okay. Um, Those are boxes of things. It's yeah. still pretty. Modest. I have a storage unit which I. I'm thankful to have, but it's just a little too far out of the way where I'm like, all right. I told my company, I'm like, if you put it here, it's going to be, it's like an hour and a half round trip for me to like go get things, yep. get it hauled up for the that's week. Right. Yeah. So knowing that's, knowing an hour and a half of my week is committed to going to a storage unit. Sure. It's fine. Like that's just part of it. But and just seeing people, seeing tables that have swag laid out and there, there is some really well executed yeah. swag out there for sure. In maker's mark. They have great swag. Yes. It's just, I understand the reference though of a garage sale. It, it, people just go up and grab it and just be like, whether maybe they already are fans and yep. just don't need to try maker's mark. Be like, cool. That's a t-shirt. I will wear this cause I'm a fan or do they just like, or they just 
it's don't want to have it. They just want stuff. Yep. It's the one thing that I will snap at people in a <laughs> passive aggressive way at events. You had like, some great hats on Saturday, by well, the way. Those it, are great. Those are only going away if they bought like a certain certain bottle. But I did the same thing actually uh, with yeah. our. If you buy uh, Solera, then yeah, you we buy- have our cast metal Elkhead pourers. Yeah. Oh that yeah. People really enjoy. I'm like, great. Go buy a Malloy single barrel, mm. and uh, show me your receipt. And here, I'll have one for you. Yeah. No, I'm not just going to give it to you. Right. <laughs> Come I on. Agreed. They're, they're not cheap. <laughs> no. But get, I am. Yeah, right. <laughs> to get back to that point is when someone's at, I'm at an event and someone just comes up to my table and we have these really cool enamel pins. Like we have six or seven different ones. We try to do a yeah. collecting set. And they're expensive to make. And you've done those with the single barrels that you've done. Yeah, right? clubs like will I, have pins. I, I've yeah. got one of the Delilah's one. Nice. Of course, shout out to home team. Sticker. Um. Yeah, and it's cool that you do that. Yeah, a but, customizable one-off. But someone like, comes up to my table and just grabs it and walks away, and they don't even take. They don't interact with me. They don't taste the whiskey. They no intent taste the whiskey. I'm like, oh, hey, you can try this. <laughs> uh, those are people that actually try the whiskey. Like, oh, oh, so uh, like I've I've turned around sometimes, and I'll have like I'll have like uh, um totes. I, like I have t-shirts on an event. It's for somebody who's like a big fan. Like, hey man, like I had bought this single barrel. I have a bottle of Nova at home, two folds. One. I, I'm like, here's a t-shirt, dude. Like, sure, of course, of course. And these are events where we're not selling bottles. We're yeah, just, you don't need to see their. You don't need to see their home pictures. But it'd be like you right. can sense that'd be like this person knows and it's a genuine. Fan. Or it's like, dude, oh, I had, yeah. I had two fold last month and like it's my one of my favorite whiskeys now. I'm like, dude, here's a t-shirt. What size are you? But yeah. I'll put like totes and like pins out on my table, my big table, um, at a whiskey festival. And people just come up and grab like four totes and just like walk away like that's like, craziness. Like you're stealing from the grocery store off, off the shelf. You're yeah, like, that's craziness. I'm like you're not stealing, but you're being a dick. I mean, it's I mean that's when the bartender in me yeah. takes over. Right. You know, like I, it's our job to right. smile, put our best foot forward, and again we we excel at it. it. Yeah. Exactly, but like at the same point, like when you're bartending, that doesn't make you a doormat. Like you're True. not there to to like really take people's uh social misgivings with with a plum like mm-hmm. you just be like no like you're throwing shade or you're being rude yeah i'm gonna tell you you're being rude absolutely correct that behavior and hopefully involve you in a bigger conversation we that should sort of thing we should do a class of te- teaching people etiquette in a bar please and thank you please and thank you in our contact go. that's really all you need right right be ready to order there if and there endeth the lesson yeah <laughs> don't take up two seats uh, sure, and it's it's the compare and contrast thing too. That I don't know if you've had this happen a lot. I mean, granted, it's it's a non-Scotch single malt, so I mean, your your brand is extremely mm. esoteric with what it does. But having um, one of our more popular single barrels to buy this year has been weeded bourbon to the point where we're really not going to offer it next year. Oh wow! Uh, we just need to lean to let our stocks mature. Breaking and, news, and things like that. We're really leaning into. Wheat whiskey. Well, because a lot of the wheat stock was sold to one of our friends, I believe, correct? I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, okay. I'll leave that off <laughs> for an off-air conversation. I'm not sure if this should uh, be... My brother-in-law helped build that distillery, though. I know. And I, I don't know if this has been confirmed in public knowledge. So. Uh, let's let's avoid that. All right. All right. We'll, we'll avoid that. We'll, we'll let some higher-ups of each distillery come on and talk about that sometime in the future. Uh, there's, there's continuity. Okay. Um, um, but to have people come up... Um, because we did bourbon is just such a big category. Right. It's extremely popular. And what's the mash bill of your weeded bourbon? Uh, it's 51 corn, 45 wheat, uh, 4% malted barley. So it's really, really high wheat content. This is actually not that at all. This is no. a different barrel pick from Missouri. 
Yeah, well, let's, before we get into this pick, um, let's talk about the foundation of your single barrel program. Like, sure. Yeah, where, when did it start? What's, uh, what was it like over COVID as it grew? And then where's it going now? It really took off over COVID, um, like most single barrel programs did. Uh, we are selling hundreds of single barrels a year. And it's, it, again, it's starting to, it's not starting to plateau, but we're not seeing numbers like we did in 2020 and 21. Uh, and basically it's, we have any assortment of mash bills available. Um, we're getting away from our weeded bourbon. We're leading really heavy into our wheat whiskey, which is, uh, one of my favorite categories as well as Greg Metz in that it's 95% wheat, 5% malted barley. So take that famous 95.5 mash bill and just use wheat instead of rye, (laughs) which Greg became famous for. I wonder where he got that. Right. Um, and to me, it's, it's a really cool segue from it's light it's delicate Mm -hmm. uh it's it's an interesting mash bill to uh to throw yourself into because it's not really represented to the american consumer i think heaven hills bernheim Mm -hmm. is like the other big one that's out there and that's still really hard to find too Mm -hmm. you probably be have an easier time finding our wheat whiskey as opposed to bernheim at this point Mm -hmm. so we're leaning into that whether it's six years old um up to nine or ten years old this year as well just to let our weeded bourbon stocks just catch up. Are those um, aging in virgin casks? Yes. And if you like uh, this, this pick that we've got right here is from a cigar store in Missouri. That is a five-year uh, rye finished in uh, rum casks at 101 proof. So that it actually is barrel proof, which mm. is surprising for what it is. Um, and this is actually something that because it was so popular and so well-received that this is actually going to be launched as an LTO uh, at the start of 2023. We're going to have this, obviously not this single barrel, right. but this expression available wow, cool. uh, nationwide. So, huh. yeah. Was that the only single barrel you did of this one, of this expression? Um, they These guys actually came to the distillery. And okay. if you come to our facility in Fort Collins, if you see something or are interested in trying something, we'll get on the forklift and pull the barrel down, yeah. um, drill a hole in it, let you try it. And if you like it, you can buy it. Uh, it's a little bit different. Was this in the rum barrels then when they tried it? Uh, yes. How long was it in the rum cast for? Uh, five or six months. Okay. So your yeah. standard finish. Sorry, three months. Okay. I'll say it's not heavily, you know, sometimes when you do a three month finish, it can induce the flavor of the barrel and overtake the actual whiskey that was distilled and matured in that previous cask and almost, I don't want to say shocked flavor into the whiskey, but overwhelm flavor. Uh, right. Right. That, I was, I was actually nervous about that. Um, I had some a different rum finish rye that we had uh, have at our uh, facility in Fort Collins. I had it uh, when I, my first week on the job at barrel proof, and it was pretty high barrel proof. Uh, I want to say like one fifteen, one sixteen, and it was stunning. I mean, the sweetness of the rum, the extra proof, the spice of the rye really came together. Uh, shout out to Mel, um, who's in charge of our blending in uh, Fort Collins. She's a rock star. To see something like that, especially with other rum finished ryes out there, um, this is a bit different. <laughs> it's Lola acting up again. Lola started digging a hole in the carpet. Oh no! Yeah. Well, good thing we'll have to replace the carpet someday because, yeah, <laughs> dogs. Uh, for for us, it's a, it's about finding balance. Um, we do have different cask finishes available at the distillery. 
Um, if anybody wants to come out to Fort Collins, it's super easy to get to relatively. It's just we're not surrounded by a million other distilleries, so we don't really have the travel destination that, say, Kentucky will or yeah. things like that. But I mean, it's a very beautiful area of the country, so yeah, there's other a, things to do. It's a good way to spend some time. Yeah. It really is. How far are you guys from Estes Park? Uh, we're about equidistance from Estes Park as we are uh, Denver. I'd say like 45 minutes. Okay, that's what I thought. Pretty it's, close. Because you go towards North Col- uh, Fort Collins. To get it's to Estes directly Park. north yeah, of Denver. Right, right, right. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. And we're just, whoosh, Estes Park is pretty much due east or due west. Gotcha. Every time I'm driving up there for work to Estes, I do. You were just out there, weren't you? Uh, Yeah, a couple of months ago. I was in Estes okay. Park. I was there twice in like a short amount of time. We sold some single barrels and yep. uh, did some other fun stuff there. And I was like, any excuse to go back there? Sure, I can definitely do that. Yeah. Um, can end my day by going for a sunset hike and then <laughs> going out to some cool bars and restaurants and different yeah. accounts? Like, yeah, sure. Um, count me in. Yeah, my, uh, Susan and I will be out there. Uh, Friday is our company holiday party. Oh, cool. So we have a tasting room in Fort Collins proper, and we, we're spending the rest of the weekend out there because it's like, you know what? We really haven't had a weekend away from everything since right. 2019 yeah so it's only two days but it's just like yeah let's go hike in the mountains you can make a lot out of that two days so you sure can well so what was the numbers of the single barrel program taking off was it in the hundreds over covid that they sold single barrels of um almost a thousand uh this this year we're gonna hit almost a thousand your thousand sales of single barrels yeah jesus christ that's a lot how uh all 53 gallons a lot of work it's a lot of work sorry i should say about 700 i think we're at about 700 no i I remember ross saying some number like that i'm like did he say that right i'm like it's a crazy amount um a lot of that is coming from uh where the lion's share of of our business uh and a lot of this is because the last couple years is off premise um it's just Mm. we don't really have a 30 dollar bottle you know, even mm-hmm. our entry level bourbon is going to sit on the shelf for 50, 54, 55, depending on where you shop. So our, our barrier to entry at that $50 price point, it has been preventative to get us on like cocktail menu, stuff like that. But right. that's not what we're trying to do. Um, we're it's trying to get into approach. bars. Yeah. yeah. I know um, Garrett's been good to us. Uh, Never heard of him. <laughs> um, there are some other. Uh, it, it, a couple other places down by us and a couple places in the city that have been really good. I mean, Gene from Warehouse, he did five barrels with us this year. Seriously? Yeah. Jesus. Um, and it's just because, like, we're gonna... we're extremely transparent about what we do, which huh. to me is very important. Yeah. Um, on top of just, it's Greg Metz. Yeah. <laughs> like. Legend. Yeah. He, when he's, when he started working for us, um. To me, it, I mean, after 38 years at MGP, mm. uh, to be able to, I don't want to say start fresh because you can't. I mean, there's no re- there's no return to innocence, but mm. as a master of his craft and what he has done, to be able to inject his creativity into mash bills he wants to do, um, yeast strains he wants to do, and things like that, and even working at different distilleries to contract distill, which we do, um, is, to me, it's just to see somebody who's obviously built a name. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Indiana Rye is its own designated category at this point, not only to, because of Greg, but because of his efforts, right. for sure. And to like be a part of that team um, and to work with the people that I work with, obviously, is a huge part of it. 
and to just be like, cool, you want to try this? Yeah. Here, here's a single barrel. Come out to Fort Collins. You like that barrel? You like it? Well, here you go. It's yours. Well, when you have a name like Greg <clears throat> behind the bottle and designing everything inside of the bottle too, what responsibility do you feel to sell it then when you're working with the le- living legend? <laughs> um, sorry one, to, one sorry to our, apply any pressure. If you no, 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 not at all. Uh, one, one of my favorite things about exploring the brand before I was even working with them um, was I think I saw it in some, some online article or something that they did that was like uh, quiet on purpose. Um, and for me, as as somebody who's obviously not been in it as long as Greg or any of my heroes have been involved in this, but to have that like quietly quiet on purpose sort of thing, it's like not to not contribute to the noise and the hype mm-hmm. and to just be like have that intention of what you're doing mm. and being okay with that. It's almost a confidence sort of thing. No, I you agree with you. I mean? No, I know exactly what you mean. That's why I was a little hesitant to try the thrum barrel the other day. Because like, why? No, no, no. I, no, 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 wrong. I get it. no, no. Because I, 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 the, obviously. I was hesitant to try it too. You're the caliber of excellence, somebody like that who's your master distiller. Yep. Um, a reputation that's been built around this brand in a very short amount of time. Yep. Uh, I like what you said about that with uh, the quiet intent of growing this brand. But I've, we've, we've, we've had this conversation a lot. Why finish whiskey? What's the fucking point of it? If you don't have a point, if you don't have a plan, if you don't have anything sure. to actually uh, a purpose, then why do it? And I was like, well, why are they putting it in rum, well, rum barrels? Because it's gone so wrong for so many other companies. Well, why? Oh, why? I, by the way, I, I like this whiskey too. <laughs> um, Someone I, stole I, my glass of it the other I day. I bought a couple barrel, a couple bottles of it. Um, we did a big Missouri Blitz for the end of the year a couple weeks ago, and I bought a couple bottles of this for my house. And that's not something I do very often is right. buy a couple of a single barrel of something. But we had it at this cigar store that has done uh, three barrels with us this year. And after a long day of hitting the road, being on the road and, yeah. and meeting a bunch of strangers and saying the same thing over and over again, like I, I just had that hundred yard stare and I just wanted to just sit and not think about it and mm. just enjoy something beautiful. And that's where this came in. Mm. I'm like, yeah, so I'm taking two of these. And Andrew at the cigar stop um, was like, really? I'm like, oh, yeah, this is fantastic. Yeah, it is good. Objectively speaking, it's good. No, um, no I like it because the, the rye shines through. And to your it, – it's it's to me, it's an exercise in self-restraint because there are some rye uh, – some – rum finished rice out there where the rum can dominate or there's somewhere it's just not pronounced enough and it's yeah. finding that to to go to your point about why barrel finish it's like well why cross hatch when making a drawing that you can just contour yeah and to me it adds a little bit of depth if done well mm-hmm. uh big shout out to mel for for this as well um in our four columns facility um and it's just it adds depth. It's it's you can either complement or supplement or something like that. It's kind of like food pairing, you mm-hmm. know. It's like do yeah. you contrast or do you complement and kind of go from there. And I mean, not lose yourself in it because at a certain point you're going to start turning people on to what you're finishing with, as opposed to the base spirit itself. Mm. Too, you know, it, it's kind of like flavored rum. When that was that was a thing when I was coming up, it's like, well, you're not turning people on to rum, you're turning people on to flavors. Yeah. Same thing. And I wonder, too, if someone like Greg is – obviously, he's developing new mash bills, and he's taking mm-hmm. the identity of what he built over almost four decades at mm-hmm. MGP and now applying it to Old Elk. And you're like, 
is it something within him to try new experiments about evolving, you know, taking what you've done in the past, but then trying new things, but not oversaturating that sure. product at the same time. And I think that's what comes out about this. It's like an elegant dose of, of the rum taste. I, I actually am not a fan of rum flavored of rum finished whiskeys. I've had so many poor ones that I just don't, <laughs> it's just, it, I think it's psychosomatic before I even taste it. I have an idea of what's oh, gonna, sure. what, yeah. it's, what it's going to be in my head before it actually gets to my lips. Sure. But there's two that I've had probably last year that I'm like, oh, cool. Which this, ones? Um, this one being the second one. And I cannot remember what the other one was that I remember tasting it and I was like, oh, this is actually really, I'm not thinking seagrass. I mean, there's rum barrels involved with that, but um, it was something else. It was something other than seagrass, but I, I can't remember what, it, what what brand it was. I remember having another whiskey this year that was in a rum barrel and being like, oh, this is actually good because they got the delicacy delicate notes of rum and they're not the overwhelming notes of rum in the cask right so right. yeah it's i mean you look at to me the like one of the f- more fun things about old elk and, and something that took took me a minute to get my mind around was our annual releases being the four grain um the double wheat and our infinity blend mm-hmm. all three of our most expensive skews every year are blends mm-hmm and to me, that that showed um, that shows that for one, it, it's again you're just painting with a bunch of different colors, and to find like you look at like our Infinity Blend, which is a blend of our um, two of our base whiskeys on top of two Kentucky bourbons. Is it done more of like a that's Solera what, system? It's that's basically what it comes down. That's what to. I thought. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, where our double wheat is more or less a three-to-one blend of our wheat whiskey to our weeded bourbon. Okay. And to like to have that, and we put everything right on the side of the bottle. We're, again, super transparent right. I love that way. The, yeah, I love about the brand, too. when you're standing behind a table, you can't really hold everybody's hand through through what every whiskey is. But to have, like, those light bulb moments, I'm like, okay, cool. So our LTOs, a limited-time offering, excuse that we do every year, are blends, as opposed to an age-stated whiskey or anything like that. Yeah, which is kind of different to think about, but it's it's part of that broader conversation of, okay, uh, for me and, and I haven't really spoken to Greg directly about this, but I'm looking forward to uh, later this week to be like, what's your what's your thinking behind this? Are you trying to stretch people's imagination a little bit? Are you trying to open That's a broader a conversation? Question, yeah. Maybe I should come with you and record the conversation. That'd be awesome. <laughs> uh, we will have Greg in town in March. Oh, It'd be cool to sit it. down yeah, with yeah. him. Um, Not in here though, but somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have it at uh maybe uh, maybe at one of our neighborhood bars. Yeah, there we go. I'm I'm sure we could find any assortment of bars around here to do it at. What would be one of your accounts to do that at around here? I'm sure we could talk to Delilah's um uh, what the Green it. Post. Never heard um of it. those guys are just opening up, so um wherever well, we want. The Green Post would be I mean, we did establish our COVID roots at Fountainhead, so There you go. Yeah. Uh, it's good to see those guys come back. It's fucking the best, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a cool room, too. It is. It's a beautiful, beautiful spot. <laughs> I love when uh, British people are in there and they're like, fuck yeah. Like, that's when you yeah. know, top notch right there. <laughs> um, no, uh, if you, no, if you no. are in Chicago or if you are visiting Chicago, Green Post, I'm sure if you listen to this podcast, you know about Fountainhead because we recorded there all during COVID summer of 2020 and we just talked about it a lot because they're good friends of ours. They shut their doors in November of 2020. And now they've reopened um, a similar concept to, to Fountainhead, but now call it Green Post. 
up in the Ravenswood, Lincoln Square neighborhood of Chicago. Um, it's just a, it has the actual back bar of Fountainhead and yes. all the yes. whiskey selection. Yes. Along with being a coffee shop in the morning and then slip, switching over into a bar in the afternoon. So, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, they wanted to have like kind of that public house yeah. feel to it For where sure. it's not just open at four until whenever. And it's, it's a place where you can hang out. I know they've been all over the World Cup matches. Um, and just, it, it's, I, I trust those guys. Yeah, definitely. And they will have a bottle shop eventually, too, which is cool yes, to think the about. the whole market is... Mm-hmm. I don't want to say where those bottles are being stored right now. Don't want to give anything away <laughs> so nothing gets stolen and they can come back to me. But yeah, uh, Ambrosia, who runs it, um, along with John and Nate, um, all those people doing a great job. And Ambrosia will be on the 12 Days of Barrel Picks with her Tattersall Barrel-Aged Gin. Really? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Shout yeah. out to Brody on that. Yeah, so it's uh, it'll be fun, too. It'll be, I think the only non-whiskey we'll be doing on... The 12 days of barrel picks this year. Broy, and I won't speak for you, Jake, obviously, but like I I love if I get something new into the market um, or if I try something and it doesn't even have to be my brand. But like I like being like, hey, Broy, what do you think of this? Mm -hmm. Like I'd love your feedback. And and like she's a gifted super taster for sure. Incredibly smart. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, but no, it's interesting to see what Old Elk is doing with all of this experimental uh, cast yep. and mash bills. I, it's I, a lot to keep track of. I'm sure. I was going to ask you, like, <laughs> how's it been going into transitioning to uh, becoming a voice of the distillery? Uh, it's it's a lot of spreadsheets. Um, it's a lot of spreadsheets. Um, it's This is where my biggest learning challenges have come through uh we go through several distribution partner uh, dis- distributing partners in my territory so between southern glaciers uh frank and badger and stuff like that um just being present um that sort of thing because right. it's I mean, you know how it is <laughs> in big distribution houses it, it like small brands it's all about occupying consciousness and and occupying their thoughts. Yep. And even if it's just a call once a week to <laughs> whoever your brand manager is in whatever territory, just pick. Like, what do you need? What's going on? Yeah. Or having those challenging conversations like, hey, we're falling a little bit short this year. Yep. What do I got to do? Yeah. Um, I, I enjoy it. It's it's a different challenge. Um, I love the face to face with consumers. I'll always enjoy that. To get away from the nightlife, though, is something that uh, I'm starting to relish. And I know Susan, yeah, um, yeah. with her role, has been relishing for a while now. So it's just like, not that I don't like the nightlife, but... It's tough. Yeah, it's it is tough. Also, now that you I mean you live in the suburbs and driving to the city, driving around the city is already more difficult enough. I know for me, it's been challenging this Yeah, you year. got no sympathy out of me on Saturday when you said, I have to drive an hour back into the city. It's hour like, 20. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm like, that's by every day. As soon as I had to, I'm like, he does this every fucking day. Um, I do it once a week. Twi- uh, the, twice it, twice that week, but But yeah. it's a good time for phone calls. I mean, true. like yeah. nowadays, we can, I, I actually schedule phone calls around my time in the car. Yeah, it's it's just, some days too. Yeah, yeah it's all about time management yeah I, I just hate though i don't like having a more than two drinks within two hours and then driving and all that stuff it's sure it's i mean i take that into consciousness a lot which obviously everybody should do but yeah. we're in a unique position where our job is to have a drink or two and the easiest way to get around is a car like i'm carless right now um and public transportation like is not the way to get around the city for our job like you can get the four counts maybe 
I used to do uh, when I first started brand work a couple years ago. Um, I I would do uh, brown line bar crawls mm-hmm. that I would just I would have the routes. I mean, kind of yep. like our 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 people do. Like you have a route that you run every day. Be like, cool. Today's my brown line run. Yep. Uh, tomorrow I'm doing red because um, yep. we were a one car family for a very long time. Yeah. It's like okay, uh, Susan's got the car today. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do a public public trans route. And I, uh, I hate fucking sitting in Ubers and Lyfts at like five thirty at it night. Gets, oh, God, and it's like it thirty five, and it is like you feel like a, like and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't even get a lift from River North back to Lakeview, yeah. which, which is basically saying like downtown to Wrigley Field if you're not from Chicago, yeah. like three miles. And it's a Thursday night at like eight o'clock. There's a shortage of cars, I, I guess, still, and it's like twenty five dollars to go three and a half miles. But guess what? I'm not getting on the train at 10:30 at night in Chicago anymore. Like, well, and, the, and that's where it comes. Yeah. That's where the drinking part of, or being in and around alcohol, are uh, part of our jobs comes in. Is that like, man, if you're not on the road by four o'clock, yeah. you may as well wait till six. Oh yeah, because yeah. like, I mean, rush hour has kind of ballooned over the last couple of years because there is no really nine to five working right. contingency right. anymore. But it's like, man, I could either sit in traffic for an hour and a half mm-hmm. to two hours, mm-hmm. or I could wait here for an hour yep. and sit in traffic for an hour, or I could wait till six o'clock and be home like that. Yep. And it's, I mean, not to say Chicago hasn't had its love-hate relationship with happy hour anyway, <laughs> but um, which just became legal again, what, in like 2017, 2016, yeah, something like something that. Like yeah. that. And it's, it's finding that balance. And no one really still takes advantage of it. It's not like advertise, I guess, the way you'd see it in other cities. Um, I mean, how it used to be, I mean, granted, happy hour changed, but how it used to be was if you advertised a special in an on-premise consumption, it had to run all day. Yeah. And when and it had the food too, right? Or something? Food was the same way. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then happy hour changed that again because happy hour during the 80s and 90s you know, you get Joe Blow coming in, ripping lines off of, you know, the stock exchange. And then you come in and level out with a couple of Manhattans and DUIs went through the roof. Like right. it was very bad. It was right. very, very bad. And it's not just Chicago specific. It's most cities. Yeah. I think people are surprised too to hear that like, Chicago is a driving city. It's a very driving city. Uh, especially the last couple of years. We've yeah. seen a huge, I mean, both my wife, and Susan and I are in that conversation of like, Okay, well, yeah, I could jump on the metro, but am I going to yeah. take a take drive to the metro, park there, pay for parking, right? Get to the metro. It's going to take just as long on a train as it will in the car, more often than not. Yeah. To then take public transportation to go to maybe a handful of it, it becomes a logistical challenge. Right. It's it's always it's weird. Like I'm not com- I don't think we're complaining. It's just No, we're totally not complaining. It's a narrative on the decentralization that we've seen the last couple of years mm-hmm. of people working at home or and also, flexible hours within an office and yeah. home things like that. Right. And so many bars and restaurants they used to have like one day designated to reps in the afternoon to come in, taste product, talk about cocktails. Oh, yeah. That like, I, that's gone. <laughs> I mean, it's like a quarter now of bars and restaurants have that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And honestly, there's kind of like come in early service and talk to me then when we're not busy. And so like you're talking about like you're going out at four thirty five five six o'clock at night to like start doing some of your meetings um, for the day. Sure, that's yeah, weird. And a lot of us too, like for a couple years. We were checking in on each other, yeah, a lot for a couple of years, and now that it's back to work, I found it hard. I found it harder to know where anybody is right now. Yeah, 
because like we're all like we thought we were all seeds in the wind before, and now it's just like okay, so who's doing what now? I mean, mm-hmm. there's still old people holding down the reins, like like they always do. Um, but the, like especially like brand rep side, like the brand yeah. game is wide open still. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. There's, no, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of fluidity to it. Um, but I'm speaking s- of that, if you're <laughs> if if you're a distillery that's hiring, um, Matt Brown is available for hire. Matt Brown. He's a free agent, so never heard of him. Never heard of him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, well, our good friend. If you're if a distillery is out there looking for a good sales rep, um, let us know. Or I, hit, Matt Brown. He or did, hit up the official Matt Brown fan club on Instagram. What? God, what he did like an old fashioned video, like on social media. I don't know if it was a reel or whatever. Like right when the pandemic hit, it was one of the funniest fucking things I've ever seen because it was just Matt Brown doing Matt Brown. Very flipping off the cuff. Be like, I don't know. I'll hold back any stories. I do want him to get hired by somebody. So. <laughs> uh, shout out to Matt Brown. Yeah, he's uh, the best. Liverpool for sure. Yeah, fuck you guys. <laughs> I was wearing an Everton jacket earlier today. I, know I, I have t- been I looking at that Everton towel. I'm not sure. Uh, I t- bar towel, which is excellent, by the way. Uh, um, Callum's dad gave me that. Get out of here. Yeah. What, what's, what was uh, the, the Callum's team? What, what was mean? the other? Um, Oxford. The, Oxford uh, yeah, United, I have, right? I have a jersey and a jacket. Okay, they're, cool. I'm gonna. They're technically sponsors of this podcast. Really? Yeah, they gave us jerseys, so they, prove it. Yeah, to technically, I don't know where they are. Uh, I'm down here. <laughs> Got an Everton program from the '70s, I believe. Cool. Very cool. Picked up in Northern Ireland, actually. <laughs> from Northern Ireland. Yeah, in Northern Ireland, I found that oh, like I, an exhibition match sort of thing. No, no, no. That was I found the. Um, oh, you found the, the program, program in Northern in, like, Ireland, like a vintage shop in Northern Ireland. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So. I bought like uh, I bought a bunch from my uh, at every team possible. My favorite place in the world, favorite place in the world to visit has been Northern Ireland really? so far. Oh yeah, huh? Uh, Belfast for the murals alone. Hmm. Uh, very very uh, formative travel experience. Yeah, yeah. And sitting at a whiskey bar in Belfast, uh, Susan and I were sitting there, we're just decompressing. Yeah. And this old this old gray beard is sitting next to us. With it, I'm not gonna do an Irish accent because I wouldn't do it any service, but he hears us talking and he's like, Hey, you guys aren't from around here. Are you like, no, no, no. We just got into town. Uh, we came in, um, came in from Chicago via Dublin and this was 2018. Okay. Um, and he's like, Oh, Chicago. I've heard that's rough. Huh? Yeah. This guy who looks like Santa Claus, Irish Santa Claus. All right, all right. Um, and I look at him like with all due respect to her, have you, have you, have you been in Northern Ireland your whole life? Oh, yeah. Born and raised in Belfast. Okay. Like, really? And so in my mind, I'm like, this guy has seen right, cars yeah, yeah, randomly yeah, explode yeah, for right. no reason. Not for no reason, but just randomly explode. I'm like... Political and religious reasons. Yeah. <laughs> and you think Chicago's... I mean, it is. That's what I was saying. I'm like, wow, you think Chicago's yeah. rough. I'm like, what do you guys think? Number, number two, what are, two what destination in America. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> right. That's so, many, that, that's so many people, though. I mean, I'll meet people from, you know... My wife's side of the family or my side of the family that haven't been to Chicago in forever, maybe right. never have been. They're like, "Oh, Chicago! Like, is it dangerous by you?" And I'm like, "I mean, it's a big city. There's been six abductions in my neighborhood in a week. I don't know. Maybe I don't know." Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I mean, <laughs> it's not, all relative. Not to discount that, it's and, still and the number two tourist destination in America. Chicago is. Yeah, it was voted number two by uh, Time Out or one of those big article chains. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so. it's a good place to visit. Just don't wander around drunk with your headphones in you. But you'll probably right. be okay. And like, if you're if you're a tourist, you're not going to be in any dangerous neighborhoods. And if you are, you're an idiot. Probably not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess everyone down to Pilsen and 
went the wrong direction, I guess you could follow fall away somewhere. But um, or if you're in Uptown for some reason, like going to Green Mill and start walking around the wrong direction. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> we lived there for a long time. Me too. And it wasn't. Not for nothing, like we loved living up there, but I mean, Logan, even Logan Square back yeah, in the day was like, yeah. you had those old, um, God, what, what was it like when Taggers became really popular uh-huh. in the hipster community mm. and Logan Square, I mean, this was probably 15 years ago and the, the hipsters kind of t- tried to uh, yeah. move into that area and started tagging things <laughs> and like a couple of them got killed. Because it was like they were in gang territory, didn't know how to read tags and understand that, like, no, you can't just just spray paint things. (laughs) Wonderful. Yeah. Such cool kids. Uh, It's It was a weird time. It was. And it wasn't a big part of Logan Square, but it's like, man, I mean, like like the class said, get to know your town just like I know mine and and you'll be fine. And Mm -hmm. get out there and meet people. Well said. Should we go drink some whiskey somewhere else? Yes. All right, let's, let's get it. out of your basement. Uh, yeah, it's creepy. Um, <laughs> Eric, thanks for coming. Congratulations for me, on the new job once Thank again. Uh, I'm sure you're doing a mighty good job out there. Wait, I know you are. From people I've heard talk about you and the brand, it's very well respected, and so are you. So Thank I you. only hope uh, great things in 2023, which is weird to say. I I know it's uh, where did this year go? It's really really weird to start a new job during OND as well. I bet. <laughs> That's October, November, December, and that might be a subject of a different podcast. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>